0: When Mason preaches, he does what we call expository preaching, and what that means, he grabs a text, and we read the text, and he digs, and he mines, and he pulls out gems for us to actually look, and we actually see what this passage means for us, and how we can use it in our daily life. Very solid, robust uh, preaching, but it does take quite a skill. Then there's topical preaching. Now topical preaching allows us a lot more flexibility. It gives the topic, it gives us the ability to turn around and grab something and then see what the Bible says about that particular topic. A bit easier because it gives you a lot more flexibility. But, and it's a big but, there is a risk with topical preaching and that is we can twist scripture to say what we want it to say. We can use scripture to make it say something that suits our narrative. So your role is to make sure that we're not abusing scripture. And at home, your role is to make sure we're not abusing scripture. So it's about now that Mason would usually say, let's pray and we'll get to work. Well, today we are going to pray, but we're going to go for a walk. So let's pray. Lord, we give you thanks that uh, we can actually uh, have your word, that we can read your word. And Lord, we pray that as we go through your word, that it makes speak to us. Lord, that you will actually allow us to hear what it is you want us to hear. That we take on board what it is you want us to take on board. And so, Lord, we pray that your word will come alive to us this day. In Jesus' name. Amen. So a long time ago, a guy called Aristotle was credited with something called the five Ws, and that is who, what, why, when, and where. And he basically says that if you don't actually engage those those five Ws, basically what we're doing is involuntary action. And so what we wanna do is we wanna be deliberate. We wanna be conscious about what we do. So I'm gonna use the who, what, why, there, when, I'm gonna use those five Ws in how we approach this. But a bit later on, they also introduced a sixth one, which was how. And that is also gonna be important to us because the the five W's gives us the foundation, and the how is where the rubber hits the road for us. So I wanna actually take us through that. So, the what. When we read that passage, and it was talking about uh, in Acts one, Um, What is it that's being asked here? And the first one is to wait, and I'll be honest with you, the procrastinator in me loves this command. But then we have to wait for something, and it's a gift. Now, that's like we're kids coming up to Christmas. Man, I can wait, or maybe I can't wait for the gift, because I love gifts. But this gift is the gift of the Holy Spirit. And this, because we live on this side of scripture, we know that that gift came in the form of Pentecost. Now they estimate that it was about seven days from the ascension, which is what we're we're reading here, the ascension story, to when Pentecost came. Now when you're waiting, and you're not even 100% sure, because we know because we read it, but they didn't know exactly what they were getting. They didn't know what was actually coming in, in, Um, in, in fullness so seven days would seem like a long time but then there was this second command and the first command to wait for the gift was so that the second command could be fulfilled and that is I'll give you my Holy Spirit and then you are to be my witnesses so this is the what and it's interesting because we've just come out, as a church, we've just come out of Genesis. And the one thing we learned from this Genesis um, um, service, uh, series that we had is that from Genesis, from the moment of the fall, everything pointed to the Jesus event that's coming. Well, we didn't. The people back then didn't know what the Jesus event was, but there was pointing there. Later on we get the Gospels which actually talks about Jesus and his work and everything post the Gospels actually points back to Jesus and the Gospels and we live in this time where we are pointing back to Jesus and that is what he's asking here. So then we have the next question, who? I was wondering whether people would get that one. (laughs) And I'm not even a Doctor Who fan, <laughs> but that's what came to mind. Anyway, the who. And in Acts, as we see, Jesus is addressing the apostles. It's his final exhortation. Like, Jesus knows he's leaving. The job's not complete. And if you can imagine yourself, when you're about to leave and you've still got the job to do and you've got the group of people that you... This is where you've really got to land it because this is where, from here, it's got to keep going. And so this is Jesus passing the baton on to his apostles. So, in fact, he's actually addressed the apostles. So how does it affect us? Well, if we go back to Matthew 28 and the Great Commission, there Jesus actually is talking to his disciples and he says to the disciples, I want you to go make disciples of all nations, baptising in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit and I will be with you always. It's actually a replica of this. Acts follows on from the Great Commission. But again, it's to the disciples. And if we read that, we go, God would probably be pretty happy with those guys, because when you read Scripture, they were pretty faithful guys. The church was built. They were faithful. But does it affect us? A bit later on, Paul makes it clear in 2 Corinthians 5, 18-20, And in there, he talks about the fact that Christ reconciled the people to himself. His job was to make us right with him. But in verse 20, he says, we, therefore, are Christ's ambassadors, as though God was making the appeal through us. And there he's handed the baton to us. So this text is speaking to you and I. So then we come to the why. And this one's really simple. This one's really simple, and it's because Jesus commanded us to. It's as simple as that. Now, in one sense, it sounds a bit trite, and I was thinking about it when um, I was a kid growing up. I was doing boy things. And of course mum would come along and say, John, 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 can you go clean your room? But why? And mum would just say, because I said so. Now I've got to tell you, I cleaned my room, but I didn't clean my room because my mum said so. I cleaned my room because I knew that the wooden spoon would follow if I didn't. So I did it because of the punishment that was going to follow, not because mum said so. So is this the reason why we need to follow what Jesus said? In actual fact, it's not. Because when he says, wait until you have my gift, the Holy Spirit, he's telling us we're saved from that punishment. There is no punishment. Punishment's done. So there's a different picture that we see here. And unfortunately, I'm a bit of a picture person, so I've, I've realised as I was writing this, I'm ruining all these little examples that made sense to me. So hopefully they make sense to you. But it was a little bit like the picture where you're trekking in the mountains. And unknown to you, you're on the path, all of a sudden the path gives way. And you're free falling. Nothing to hold on to, nothing to grab to. You're a goner, you're done. And just as you think you're gone, Next thing you know, there's this arm that grabs your arm, and it's a solid arm, it's a firm arm. But not only are you not falling, you're now being lifted back up, and you're being put back on firm ground. Now, if that was you, and that person actually came and saved you from a certain death, you'd be thankful. You'd be so thankful, and and, and I'll tell you what, you'd be actually telling your mates, you go, mate, you're not gonna believe what happened to me, right? And so you'd be actually wanting. You know, if, you're, if you're loaded, you'd probably say, mate, you want some cash to thanks or whatever? But you would offer some form of thanks. You'd continue to offer form of thanks. And this is the picture that we have here. We're asked to do it, and it is our way of thanks because we've been saved from something that is worse than falling off a cliff. So then it comes to the when. And it's pretty clear that there's a timeline given here, and it says uh, the when is about the Holy Spirit. When you get my gift, when it comes on, onto you, that is when. And this is a little bit Masonish here, where we're going to get a little theological. And this is where we talk about the work of justification. This is where we are justified. This is where we become Christian because the spirit comes on us. And then from here, we live the sanctified life, which is that life of thanks. And again, a picture that was given to me once upon a time was justification is like somebody giving you a set of golf clubs. Sanctification is like grabbing those clubs, going to the golf course and using them. And I've got to tell you, anybody that's played golf, you get a set of clubs, and you go out and hit that ball. You think you're going to hit it down the fairway. You are dreaming. Man, that is things going all over the place. It might even go backwards. All right? And so what happens, though, you keep going. And then you get better, and you get better, and better. And the use of these clubs and the practice is like the sanctified life. We get better and better. So this is similar to what we're talking about here in the sanctified life. But with this gift of the Holy Spirit, actually has an adjective to it, and it's the word power. And so we have a powerful spirit. The word in the Greek is, is, is dunamis, and that is the root word that today we use the word dynamite from. So this power, if you can just comprehend that this power has explosive power within it. It is so powerful. And you have it within you. Now does that mean we actually got to start wearing our underpants above our trousers and put the cape on because we are Superman? No it isn't. When we read Galatians, we talk about what the human nature is the human nature, and it has all these things that can describe the human form of who we are. But then it talks about the life of a spirit-filled life, and it talks about if you are spirit-filled, there is a manifestation that comes out of you, which is the fruits of the spirit, which is this love, joy, peace, kindness, gentleness, self-control, and there's a few others which, if I couldn't get the five Ws right, there's no way I'm gonna remember all those off the top of my head. So the power the spirit has is the power to explode the old self away from you and fill you with a new self. With a self that actually, in our own self, couldn't actually possibly be. So then we've got the next W, which is, where do we do this? Now once again, it says, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, if Jesus was actually doing this and he was ascending from heaven today and he was ascending from this building, from freeway, he could quite easily say, I want you to be my witnesses in Chelsea. I actually want you to be my witnesses in Victoria. I want you to be my witnesses in Australia. I want you to be my witnesses in the world, out to the Philippines. So really what it's talking about is It starts here, and it moves out. So it starts where you are. The picture again, Mr. Picture person here, the picture again is described to me on this passage once upon a time is this. You've got a still body of water, you can imagine it's just like glass, and you throw a rock. And where that rock hits the water, you can just see it, and the water explodes up. There is an event. But what happens is these concentric circles starts to move out on this body of water. And so this is the picture that we see here, that it starts where you are and the impact flows out. So now that we've gone done the five Ws, basically we are saved with the Holy Spirit. He's placed us in here a, in, a, in Chelsea or wherever you are placed. And he's asked us to be his witnesses. So how do we go about this? Now I sat there and racked my brains and going, how am I going to actually describe this? And everybody's going to have a different circumstance. So the best I came up with is I thought, let's use an example out of the Bible and see what we can learn from that. Now this passage that I've picked, it's one that when I read, I think we struggle with because when we read, it's passive. This event, we need to understand what it was like back there. So by having this passage acted out, gives us a bit of a better feel for what's going on here. What I want you to do as you're watching this, is I want you to picture yourself as one of the two in this story. You're there. You're this person. You're having this happen to you.
1: The audio of this short video clip has been used with permission from JesusFilm.org. Once, when we were going to the place of prayer, We were met by a slave girl who had a spirit by which she had predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. This girl followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting. These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of here. At that moment, the spirit left her. When the owners of the slave girl realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, These men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. On receiving such orders, He put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open, and everybody's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, Don't harm yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved. (laughs) You and your household. (laughs) Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately, he and all his family were baptised. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole family. I
0: wanna just appreciate Nick's effort in making sure we could use that and uh, that we had permission to use that uh, film. So thanks Nick for doing that. Um, So the how, see I put myself in this and I don't come up very well in this. Because as it comes in, I'm going about, well, what I think is what the Lord's called me to do, preach. Now, if you read that text, it talks about this woman was just going at this for days, just days. And eventually Paul got fed up. Now, I probably would have got fed up well before Paul. But then all of a sudden, he cast the demon out. Now, he gets angry, he gets annoyed. And this troubled me a bit when I first read it. But what he got annoyed at was the demon, not the girl. Because he realised that the, the girl actually was inflicted. So in fact, when he cast the demon out, he actually healed her. He healed her of an affliction. So when all of a sudden the owners come and they're getting cranky about the fact that they've lost their income, if this was me, I'd be sitting there going, Listen here, little mongrels, you've been using abusing this girl as a meal ticket, right? But they then want to actually have him arrested. But then the crowd joins in and I'd be sitting there about now going, hang on guys, if you actually knew the truth, if you knew what was going on, you wouldn't be actually so quick at this. And I'd be starting to get a little annoyed and getting a bit like, I'd get quite robust in my expressive way of saying how unjust this is becoming. But then when they get to me, the magistrate, I'd be pretty quick to let the magistrate know how I'm feeling about how these guys are the problem. And when the magistrates actually ordered me to go get a flogging, I'd actually start to get pretty annoyed. But I reckon fear would be starting to set in. And then when i get get flogging, I'd be absolutely... I'd, that, 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 that flogging is still passive. That would have been a painful experience. And not be, long before this was the, was the Stephen event, where Stephen got martyred. So these guys are not even sure that this is not the end of their life. We know because we can read. But they don't. So if you were there, you'd be sitting there, Lord, this is not fair. And it's painful, and then they're going to this prison, and prison actually on this thing looks pretty good. I wish we had, you know, 4D, where we could actually smell what it was like, because I reckon that would be a pretty awful smelly place, because they don't have a nice flush toilet like we did. So the effluent would have been pretty rich. It would have been dark, dank, They didn't have electricity. So by the time I'm getting thrown in there and I'm actually seeing the new neighbours I have, I reckon by then I'd be really starting to get scared. And my own nature, I know that I'd get to a point where I'd be quite morose. And as I'm sitting there thinking about the injustice and how this is just not right, I don't believe I'd stack up very well. And this is the point. If we have the power of the gift of the Holy Spirit within us, that power is the power to to explode that self off, that I can actually be a Paul. So in the circumstances that I find myself in, in each and every day, that I can actually be his witness. That witness was so powerful, so powerful, that in amongst what I'd call hardened criminals, they sat there and sang and prayed, and not like I would do when we go to dinner, we pray and uh, mm -hmm, hopefully nobody really saw that, we don't want to disrupt anybody. No, they were praying out loud in amongst hardened criminals, and then they were actually singing hymns and songs of worship to God, loud. That when the earth shook, the chains came loose, the natural instinct for a hardened criminal would be to run. But they stayed. And they stayed because they knew that something amongst them was different. The jailer came out and he knew that those hardened criminals would be gone. He'd assumed Paul and Silas would go because you know, they're the ones that were put in the middle. They're, they're the important ones. So much so that he didn't even go to check, he was just going to actually neck himself. That when all of a sudden he finds out that they're there. There is no doubt in this jailer's mind who is responsible for the fact that these people are still in this jail. And that's because Paul and Silas were a witness. When we think about witnessing, we think we're standing on the street telling people stuff. But you know, we actually read the first instance where he gets to actually talk about his God is when the jailer asks, what must I do to be saved? And then they could actually He was receptive, but the witness was the way he lived, how they lived, how they carried themselves, in extreme circumstances. So for you and I, what does it mean for you and I? We all are involved in different situations, different circumstances. The question is, Am I am I stifling the spirit? Am I doing the story of Jacob? this was the thing that came to me I was reading, reading it, and I was put myself in it. I think I fight the spirit. I think I'm Jacob, I think I'm always having this fight. But if I allow the power of the spirit to be alive in me, it matters not what circumstance I find myself. It matters not what is going on around me. My focus remains. On the fact that I have the power of the Spirit within me and I can actually carry myself and be the person that Jesus would like me to be so that the old nature's gone but the flavor of love joy peace gentleness kindness patience all starts to be exuding from me so much so that when people actually say there is something different about it." There is something definitely different about this person. And you never know. It might come to pass that somebody comes to you and says, Hey, I can see there's a lot going on, but how can you be at peace? How can you be so happy? How can you be so kind to those people that have been harsh on you And it is that moment that you can fulfill that command where you can tell them about the Jesus who saved you, who pulled you from that path and put you back on firm ground, that you can actually then witness to his work that we read in the Scriptures, that is available to all. As you go this week, And as you go into this week, pray that you can actually remember that you have the spirit within you. It is dynamite. And like he says in the Great Commission, I am with you always. You're not doing this on your own unless you choose to. So as you go out this week, whatever you have before you, may you find solace in the fact that you have the Spirit of God within you. You are not on your own. At no point does he leave you. And you never know what might come from that. Let's pray. Lord, we give you thanks for this day. Lord, we thank you for this Opportunity where we could actually reflect and see two faithful servants who not in their own strength, but in the strength of the spirit within them, was able to be the salt and light, the difference. That they were Christ-like. Lord, that through their witness, they were able to speak about you. From there, a family was saved. From there, your work continued on and expand it and Lord we pray that as we go from this place and go into this week Lord you know our circumstances some of us are actually facing some horrific circumstances in our life at the moment Lord we pray that you go with us that even in the worst of circumstances that your light can shine through us And Lord, that if we are in a great place, that we can give you thanks for that. And that we can actually point to the person that actually allows us, in all circumstances, to give you praise. Lord, we thank you for the work of Jesus. We thank you for the death on the cross, for the resurrection. And for the fact that he has not finished the work, that he continues the work through us. And may we be faithful servants of the Lord Most High. Amen.